Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey now, welcome to the jungle. A very good Wednesday to you. What do I always say about Wednesday? One, it's a hump day. Hump day. Two, what up, Perf? Three, there is so much to get down on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are one of my favorite days in the jungle because we have so much to get done. Get out of Dodge. So let me lay it out for you. It is going to be a strong day. And I want to get right at it because here is the list of things that I need to get done. Here are the boxes that I need to check, starting with a reminder that we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Then Rocket can. All right, here we are. Here the bleep we are. Here we Telephone are. Telephone number is toll free, 1-800-636-8686. I know a lot of you roll into Wednesday and wondering, when is the What's Your Beef segment? We are having a What's Your Beef segment. It is one of the best segments of the entire week, and this week, it moves around. It's always on Wednesday, but it moves around within the program. Today, it falls at the top of hour number three. So if you have a beef, I'm here for it. If there's something you want to get off your chest, I'm here for it. Normally, I don't want to hear you complain, but if there's something you want to complain about, I am here for it. Top of hour number three, call in with your beef. I'd rather not have you start lining up right now, but get in early, if that makes sense. Not to contradict myself, don't line up right this second because we've got other things to do before then, but make sure you do get in. one 636 8686 Hit me up on social media, Twitter, with a beef, at Jim Rome. And you can also email me, beef, Rome at habitake.com. All right, so in and around that, it sets up like this. Hall of Famer, Jerry Rice. 940, Niners, Rams, running it back again. NFC Championship game, third time this year. The Niners have had the Rams number. Is it going to change this weekend at SoFi? Jerry Rice, 940 Pacific. 10 o'clock straight up, so back-to-back interviews. Hint, hint, call now. Back-to-back interviews. Jerry Rice, T-Wolves head coach Chris Finch. Top of the second hour. Top of hour number three. What's your beef? Last segment of the program, an NFL draft prospect, Kenneth Walker III. We also do an ATP on Wednesday. We also have a Jim Rome podcast. Damn, I get things done. Just pushing content, yo. Episode 206 of the Jim Rome podcast. Nick Mangold. It's good. It's a good episode. How do I know? I've already done it. It's already done. So you want to make sure you look for that. That is your Wednesday show. Hit me up. You have your telephone number. All right, so where to start? It is championship weekend. It's already Wednesday. I will be in Kansas City before you know it for the AFC championship game and the NFL today on CBS. Cannot wait to get back. Even though I had hypothermia practically two years ago, I cannot wait to get back. In fact, that's the reason I want to get back. And I know it's not going to be as cold, but it's going to be awesome. Love both matchups. But I don't want to start with football. I want to start with the association today. Let me change up on you. So the Lakers beat the Nets last night. 106-96 in Brooklyn. And man, I got to say, that game was nothing like what the league would have hoped for when they scheduled it before the start of the season. Check out these starting lineups. The Lakers rolled out with... LeBron James, Stanley Johnson, Anthony Davis, Avery Bradley, 
and Russell Westbrook. Bradley started the preseason with the Warriors. Johnson was in the G League a couple of minutes back, and they are now starting for the Lakers. The Nets crew is even more whack. Checked out this group. James Harden, Patty Mills, Daron Sharp, Kessler Edwards, DeAndre Bembry. Huh? Who? I guarantee nobody in the league office was dreaming of a Kessler Edwards, Stanley Johnson throwdown when they scheduled this game. Katie is out with injury, and Kyrie is out because, well, Kyrie. But who needs KD v. LeBron when we have Dayron Sharp and Avery Bradley on the same floor? And yes, Anthony Davis was back, and yes, he looked fine. He was doing things like this. Russ dribbles right, top of the key to AD. Left side, LeBron. LeBron turns the corner, down the middle, alley-oop to Davis, who slams it out of the gate on his very AD, first good, baby? Well, And the Laker bench goes nuts. I guess he's healthy, huh? That was a great pass from LeBron, hook pass over his head. AD, what's good, baby? AD, what's good, baby? Best heckle ever still. Anyway, that's fine. That's good. Just don't come in here and tell me that that was the turning point in the Lakers season. I don't want to hear that. Do not tell me that, that that was the turning point. Because it was not. It really was not anything at all. Just a game that got them back to 500. They're 24-24 and this season, and after every one of those 24 wins, somebody's been trying to say, all right, now it's go time. Now it's go time. That's the game. That's the moment where everything changes. That's the one where we all look back. That's the moment we all look back. Yeah, the hell we will. You know, kind of like when they beat the Pistons after LeBron was ejected, and that was supposed to be the turning point of the season. You know, the win that got them to 500 back in November. You know, the day the entire Laker-verse, the entire world changed. Yeah, right. That got them back to 500 then, and they're still 500 in late January. In other words, nothing has changed. This is who the Lakers are. And until they prove otherwise, this is who they're going to be. A win over the Nets last night does not change a damn thing for the Lakers. Nothing. They're still old. They still have pieces that don't fit, and they're still average. That's who they are. That's nothing new. No, the real story from last night, oh, this just in, Matt in L.A. is on hold, and he claims his take is a masterpiece. That's a quote. Just so you know. Anyway, back to the Lakers. That changed nothing. No, the real story last night. No, he said masterpiece. Outro. The real story from last night, though, was not the Lakers. It was the Nets. James Harden was there last night. However, if you listen to reports and you believe them, it does not sound as if he wants to be there much longer. And, of course, the reasons are both predictable and hilarious. According to Jake Fisher, a Bleacher Report, quote, Harden has been vocal to Nets figures and close contacts alike about his frustrations regarding Kyrie Irving's part-time playing status. End quote. No way! A teammate of Kyrie Irving does not like being a teammate of Kyrie Irving. Oh, hell no. Where is that coming from? Well, that's definitely a first. Because everywhere Kyrie has been, teammates have loved, respected, and admired this cat. Because he leads from the front, and he makes each and every one of them better. 
No, never mind everyone. Freaking Kyrie makes everything better. Am I right? Like, you got a problem with Kyrie? You got a problem with yourself, right? Uh, wrong. Wrong. No way. James Harden has a problem with Kyrie Irving. Who saw that coming? James Harden has a problem with Kyrie Irving being a part-time teammate. No way. Why? What a shocking development. Nearly as shocking as the Nets first caving into Kyrie and then having it boomerang on them after they did it. Truly astonishing turn of events, right? Yeah, either that or the most predictable and hilarious thing ever. No way. A star who is there every single night has a problem with a star being there half the time. Come on, James. Lighten up, yo. That's what he said on Friday. We need him every single game, especially everything that's going on with our team. Huh? Hey, remember when Harden joked about injecting Kyrie himself? At this point, I'm not even sure it's a joke. Would anybody really be surprised if Harden were to sneak up on Kyrie and Moderna him or jab him? When he was asked about the report last night, Harden didn't exactly confirm it, but he sure as hell didn't deny it either. I don't know about reports. Did you guys hear from me? I don't know about any reports. Did you guys hear it from me? I don't know about reports. Did you guys hear from me? All right. All right. Perhaps not. But I'll tell you what else I'm not hearing from you. That you love it there. Or even that you like it there. Or that you want to re-up there. I'm definitely not hearing any of that. He was asked about that report again, and this is what he said. Listen, listen, I don't know about any reports. Of course, I'm frustrated because, you know, we're not healthy. You know, there's a lot of inconsistency for whatever reason. Injuries, COVID, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, but yeah, it's frustrating. I think everybody in this organization is frustrated. And now a message from Discover About Rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Of course he's frustrated. Of course he doesn't like the situation. What's to like? Why would anybody like having a teammate who was only there when he felt like it? When he was only there when it was convenient for him? Look around. With all due respect to Kessler Edwards, which means Kessler Edwards is about to get disrespected, James Harden is running with Kessler Edwards. You want to know what was way more impressive than LeBron's back-to-back steals? Harden's reaction to LeBron's back-to-back steals. Like, I can't tell if he was pissed. Pissed at everybody and everything, or if he had just given up. Or both. James Harden, I want to be so clear about this. James Harden did not party and eat his way out of Houston in order to play with Kessler Edwards. The whole point of having a big three is that when one guy goes down, the other two can step up. But in this case, Durant went down and Kyrie is sitting at home. If Harden wanted to play with a bunch of anonymous guys, a bunch of randos, 
he could have stayed in Houston, but instead, he made sure that he showed up looking like a nose tackle, forced his way out of town, and then ended up playing with a bunch of anonymous guys and randos in another city. And honestly, it's hilarious. I mean, from day one, I've said this combination of Harden, Katie, and Kyrie would be absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. I'm thinking about it. you got a four-time scoring champ. You have a three-time scoring champ playing together. And then the guy with zero scoring titles was going to think that he was the alpha. And he's made it that way, too. He's made it that way by not playing. Kyrie has made himself the most important part of this team by not playing. Vintage Kyrie. Of course Harden is pissed. Like, Katie and Harden were reuniting was a natural. They go back to OKC together. And according to reports, Harden thinks very highly of KD. And according to reality, Kyrie thinks very highly of Kyrie. So what you did is, you took the prickliest guy in the Western Conference in KD, you took the prickliest guy in the Eastern Conference in Kyrie, and then you brought them in and put them with one of the most different cats in the entire league, in Harden. And that was just supposed to work out. The report also went on to suggest, I mean, this just gets better and better. Oh, this just in. Matt is still on hold with a, quote, masterpiece take. Outro. The report also goes on to suggest that, quote, Harden has not enjoyed living in Brooklyn. End of quote. Why not? What? Too many hipsters? Too many fixed gear bikes? You're not about Coney Island. You're not about the bridge. You're not about the pizza there. Listen, I'm not saying that everybody has to love Brooklyn or even New York City in general. But how could you not know whether or not you'd like to live in New York or not or Brooklyn? I mean, how many times have you been there in your life? And also the report implied that one of the reasons he didn't like it there was the weather, which has got to be the funniest part of all, right? The only thing more predictable then Kyrie being Kyrie is the fact that New York is cold in the winter. I don't know. There's an awful lot of data to back this up. In fact, it's always been that way. If you don't like cold weather in the winter, New York is not the place for you. And it's not like Harden hasn't played or seen cold weather. He played in OKC for the first three years of his career. So he should know if he likes the cold or not. New York is cold. Kyrie is Kyrie. These are two facts that you should have known before you ate your way out of Houston to get to New York to play with Kyrie in New York and Brooklyn. And the fact that those things are now causing problems for Harden is both the most predictable and hilarious thing ever. (laughs) Now, I'm not hoping for an implosion per se. However, because I don't care about the team. I don't. I don't care about any team except for team content. That team I care about. That team I root for. That is my favorite team. Team content. So with that in mind, James, I'm here for you. I'm here and I've got a little bit of advice. My man, it is time to once again go Operation Shutdown. Tip of the cap to those of you who are old enough to remember the iconic Derek Bell and quote Operation Shutdown. Something that is still underrated. My man literally said it for the record. It's Operation Shutdown.
Operation Shutdown. You want to talk about something that ages well. Like, other than Nets fans, who would not be rooting for this? You don't want to see Harden playing like he's got a Thanksgiving turkey stuffed into his jersey? You don't want to see him down a logo three and then run back up the floor and down an Oreo shake as he gets back and waddles back and gobbles back on D? You don't want to see him drain a tray in the corner and then devour a tray of muffins from Corner Bakery? Hell, I do. Just go ahead. Let KD and Kyrie run with Edward Kessler and Knight Nicole Sharp. Whoever the hell they are. Let's do this. So predictable and so hilarious and so fun. I'm not looking to pile on. I'm just looking to credit team content. Team content is already running away with the conference title as it relates to them. They've already got the number one seed, team content. Of course. In fact, I'm going to slap their name on the Lombardi right now. Team content, yo. My favorite team ever. It's a freaking dynasty. 1-800-636-8686. I want you to wait for this. This There's going to be an unusual sound for some, but some of you will know this sound. It's coming in 3-2-1. It's the sound of me dropping a tongue on my mic. And now a message from Discover About Rewards. If you're a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. 14 1,000-yard seasons, a member of the 1980s All-Decade Team, a member of the 1990s All-Decade Team, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He appears courtesy of DraftKings. Today, he is Jerry Rice. Jerry, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I didn't realize I had 14 1,000 yards. Dude, you do. I, 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 first of all, I bet you did realize that, Jerry. You knew that. No, I didn't. No, I, no, 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 no. When you were going through that, it just hit me. Wow. Hey, hey Jerry, are you, aware, are you aware that you're in the Hall of Fame, too? <laughs> My man. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, yeah, good. No, I'm in the Hall of Fame. This is all true. This is all true. All right. It's good to have you back. Listen, the 49ers are facing the Rams in the NFC Championship game Sunday. Let me ask you about that Niners team first. What do you make of the way they've turned their season around and they have won three straight must-win road games? I think they just fought. They just decided that, hey, look, uh, you know, the pressure's not on us. Let's just go play football, you know. You can see that confidence on on the football field now, uh, the way they're making plays. You know, for them to go into uh, Lambeau Field uh, against Aaron Rodgers and and get a win, and now they have the opportunity to really do something special uh, by going into uh, SoFi uh, and play the Rams again and uh, get to the Super Bowl. And they have beat the the Rams six uh, straight games in a row. So I think they have a legitimate chance, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. They're playing with swagger right now, and uh, it's going to be a good football game. We're talking to Jerry Rice. That number, Jerry, is amazing to me, that they've beaten them six straight times. In fact, like it, we're talking about a good Rams team. We're talking about an extremely well-coached Rams team. How do you explain yeah. them beating them six straight times, and then how much is that in both teams' head? 
You know, it got to be, it got to be in their heads. You know, the Rams. It would have to be because I, I remember when uh, uh, Aaron Donald he said something about he was asked about Debo Samuel and he said, "Who is that?" And I'm sure he's well aware of Debo Samuel now and what he's doing. Uh, the numbers that he's putting up, that slash running back uh, receiver. And anytime uh, you know, he touches the ball, he does something with it. Then George Kittle uh, getting the ball in, in, into his hands, the physicality of that guy. I would love to get uh, Brandon Ayuk more involved and just continue to run the ball and, uh, and let Jimmy uh, you know, set the play action up, do all of that, and just rely on our defense. But I just feel like they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. And uh, the pressure is really uh, on the Rams. I think you just nailed that. I think you really just nailed the entire Niners situation in a nutshell perfectly, of course. Jerry Rice joining us. So bottom line, it. what is your prediction for Sunday's game? I think I think we can go into SoFi and get a win. I, I, I really do. And, you know, it's going to not be one of those easy ball games because a lot is riding. But I, I feel like the Niners, uh, they don't have that additional pressure on them because no one expected them to be where they are right now, you know, after the way they started the season and, and then the battle back and, you know, to finish with a record round, you know, 12 and 7. And now you can see that team just started playing, just really, they just playing loose football, having a great time on the football field. So I, I, I think they have a legitimate chance of winning. Jerry Rice joining us on behalf of DraftKings, which we will get to momentarily. And Jerry, so much made about Tom Brady and the fact that he's playing at an elite level into his 40s. But the fact of the matter is you did that way back when. In fact, I want to go back to your 2 season for a moment. You had 92 receptions, more than 1,200 receiving yards. You made the Pro Bowl, and you did all that at age 40. It, I mean... <laughs> When you look at that, it's absurd. How do you explain that, and what was your secret to your success that late in your career? I think the secret is that I just love what I was doing, Jim. I, I worked hard. I poured everything into my conditioning, uh, the way I prepared, uh, and I also I, I knew the importance of uh, my supporting cast, my teammates. So, uh, you know, football is not an individual sport or anything like that. So, just working hard every day uh, gave me longevity. I love playing, and I I understand where you know Tom Brady. He said he might play till he's like fifty, but I, I think in today's football, you really have a good chance of doing that if you want to, because it's a totally different game now. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's not physical or anything like that, but I think if you really take care of your body, you pay attention to your body, and and uh, if you eat right and you get your rest and stuff like that, you could play this game for a long, long time. Yeah, it's funny. I talked to Steve Young not long ago, Jerry, and he was saying that he had a conversation with Tom Brady who said just that, that it's a totally different game right now. Like, it's still a physical game, to be sure, but the quarterbacks don't take nearly the punishment that they did even earlier in Brady's career. So Steve Young would absolutely echo this uh, sentiment that you just shared. You know, when you look at your career, Jerry, you had a good rookie season, but you had a massive second season. I'm really curious, what was the biggest difference for you from year one to year two? I, you know, I think the thing for me is, God, when I first came in, I just wanted to catch a ball for Montana. I was like, I wanted to try to just win his confidence over and stuff like that, put additional pressure on myself. And I went through some ad- adversity. I was dropping footballs. Then 
Uh, the media got down on me. Then they were saying, hey, how can you go and draft this guy the 17th, uh, uh, the 17th pick uh, in the draft? Uh, I, yeah, how can you go draft this guy and make him – I think I was the 16th pick. 16th or 17th. That was a long time ago. All right, but uh, – and, and, and then – I just started playing football and, and really just enjoying myself and knew that I had the confidence where I could go out there and showcase my ability and make everybody better around me. So that was the big jump for me from being a rookie to that next season. You look at, at guys today, like, you know, say like a Jamal Chase uh, from uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. These guys are coming in, the programs that they have played at, you know, they have always uh, been in the spotlight it took me a while to really feel comfortable with that. But once I mastered that, then I was ready to play football. You know, it's amazing. You, first of all, for the record, you were number 16 overall. But to your point, Jerry, I think people forget this, but early on, that first year was a challenge. There was actually a headline in the San Jose Mercury News that read, Snap, Crackle, Drop, as it relates (laughs) to you. Dude, that's like crazy to think about that now, that this was an issue, and they used to write things like that about you. But this is what you mean when you said that there were challenging times early on. You know, I got to ask you really quickly about Joe. Like, Jerry, I'm kind of – I'm that old guy now. I'm that boomer, but I've been around Joe. And Joe – Joe, as much as almost any athlete I've ever been around, had this intangible it. You just said all I ever wanted was to catch pass from Joe. You know what I'm talking about, right? Can you explain the it that Joe had and probably still has right now? Joe had that it where he, the second he stepped into the huddle, man, it's like it made everyone else elevate their game. You knew that you had the quarterback that could lead you all the way downfield and, and win that game. Like Super Bowl 23, you know, the final drive with three minutes, 10 seconds left in, in the game, the two-minute drill, he comes into the huddle, and there's this swagger. And and it's like everybody knows that, hey, look, we have the quarterback. We just got to do our jobs. If we do that, we have a legitimate chance of winning this Super Bowl, and we were able to move it all, all the way downfield. And he just brought that. But he brought it every day during practice. You know, it, it just didn't happen that Sunday or that Monday or those playoff games, those Super Bowls. It was shown uh, during the week, and I think that's why we were so exceptional going out winning football games is because we worked like it was a game situation every day during the week. Right, and you have enough guys, enough Hall of Famers who work like that, then really good things are going to happen. Jerry Rice joining me. You are working with DraftKings today. I'm really happy to see that. Lay it out for me, Jerry. What are you doing with those folks? Yeah, DraftKings, man, doing the playoffs, and they're the leader in sports, technology, and entertainment. Uh, They're committed to protecting their customers, and they have a trained staff. If you haven't seen a commercial, you have to go see it because it was so much fun for me because it brought out that little kid in me all over again because you had this better, and this guy kept winning, and I kept, you know, just pouring this cooler on him. I probably did it like maybe 20 times or more in the bed, the couch, the front yard, and it just gave me the opportunity uh, to really, really be a part of a special company but also to have a fun on on uh, on like the playing field again, you know, doing this commercial and uh, and I just want everybody uh, to go check it out. It's a great reminder, man. Got to have fun. Got to have fun doing it. Jerry Rice, three-time Super Bowl champ. I ran down the resume. I ran down the stats. And today, appearing courtesy of DraftKings, my man. You and I have done this so many times over the years. I always look forward to it. I always appreciate it, and I appreciate you, Jerry. Thanks so much for coming on. 
Hey, thanks for having me, man. Let's go Niners. Hey, you want a new podcast to look forward to every single week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content. Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation, so you're most likely not just listening to The Daily Jungle, and that's totally fine. In fact, let me suggest a podcast that you should add to your list. It's The Jordan Harbinger Show, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, hostage negotiators, and more. Jordan is one of the goats when it comes to podcasting, and he has got one of the most highly rated self-development shows out there right now. Point blank, this dude is smart, he's funny, he is easy to listen to. You will find actionable advice that can improve your life directly. You cannot go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It is incredibly interesting. There is never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Matt has never prefaced a call nor told the call screener it's, quote, a masterpiece. And he's already a recipient of a golden ticket. Only one way to find out. Right to the front. And I do have Jerry Rice coming up at 940. Let's go to L.A. Matt in L.A. I'm waiting on a masterpiece. He's calling his shot. What's going on, Matt? Romeo Snagropolis. Thanks for the vine. From Perry and Manchester to the L.A. Basin and Orange Curtain, respectively, you're welcome. Welcome to beware of a vagabond cavalcade, allegedly, that Team Goodell, IPD, LAPD, and NFL Walmart have started or be swept away by a wave of body-stenched, saucer-wide-eyed sporting vagrants with tents and canopies in tow as the great Los Angeles hobo exodus makes it way to your town allegedly but that's not why i called jim i called because those mlb hall of fame hypocrites strike again these clowns the bbwa who mysteriously make players better as hof years of eligibility waste away to allow the same player to grow his percentages from 50-ish magically past that 75 percent threshold needed to be in stonewalled noted steroid users but absolute Hall of Famers, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who are arguably top 10 all-time players at their position. Yes, top 10 of the last 150 years, yet open the door widely again for a noted steroid user like they did for Iroid, Yvonne Rodriguez, welcoming fellow syringe specialist and Boston World Series legend David Roy Tease in, but not Barroyd or Roger. What an absolute joke. The Hall of Farce needs to get its act together. Yo, BBWA, Bonds, Clemens, and Pete Rose should be Hall of Famers. Stop the nonsense already and do the right thing, you pukes. Outro. All right, then. Matt and L.A. calling up and having the nads to say, I got a masterpiece for you, Snaglio. My reaction to that masterpiece? Chris Finch is my guest. Chris, great to have you on. How are you? 
I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on. All right, so you beat Portland last night in a game where you were down by 13. You battle back, you find a way to win. Chris, I want to get into the performance that you got from Anthony Edwards in a minute, but generally, how pleased were you with the way your guys dealt with the adversity and the elements and found a way to get it done last night on the road? Yeah, very pleased. Uh, you know, we had talked uh, before the game about, you know, trying to kind of up our intensity. We've been at this point and, and, and trying to push above 500 a half a dozen times so far this year, just couldn't really ever get over the hump and stay over the hump consistently. And a lot of it had to do with kind of immature approach, just as a young team has. Um, last night we didn't start the game particularly well, didn't play our best basketball, but then we rallied in the second half, had great energy, a lot more purpose. And, you know, sometimes you just got to find a way to win, win ugly, particularly on the road, in a tough place to play against the team that had been playing very well. So, all in all, we're pleased with the win, and, um, you know, we got to keep building off of this. Right. A nice win. A gritty win. And then Anthony Edwards, 49, three steals, three blocks. 14 of his points came in that fourth quarter, and that was all after he hurt his knee in the previous game. I mean, what an effort from this guy. What did you make of his performance overall, but especially in that fourth quarter? Yeah, he's 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 got that it factor, Jim. He's He's, got, he's a special player. He's going to be a special player in this league. There's still so much of the game um, that he's trying to figure out, and particularly at this level when he sees a lot of different types of looks coming at him fast um, and teams are trying to keep him off balance. He's just trying to work through it. But he's got an incredible sense of timing on when to step up, try to take over a game, very, very explosive. Once he feels uh, you know, him moving into this like rhythm and – uh, phase of the game where he feels he can dominate. He just can put together really, really good runs, um, plays with great confidence. You know, what I like about him is that he's really starting to round out his game. He played great defense on C.J. McCollum, held him 5-15 to 15 shooting, uh, which is not an easy cover. And, you know, he, as you mentioned, he did other things as well. He, he rebounded, he got some steals, he got some blocks. And if he can become a complete two-way player where he fills up a stat sheet you know that you know that that makes him you know all NBA caliber, um, and it helps certainly helps us. I love the guy, Chris Fans joining us. I love the guy because, like Chris, when you talk about the it factor, it's kind of a cliche, but it's so true. It's hard to explain yeah. it, but you know it when you see it. Let me try and explain it. After the game, he had a number of great lines, such as "I feel like Black Jesus." Quote, I saw the man in front of me and I saw the fear in his eyes. I guess that was all she wrote, end of quote. I could go on. Like, that kind of confidence might rub teammates the wrong way, maybe. But how authentic and genuine is it from him? And then how much more do his teammates love him as a result? Yeah, that's the, that's the, the, the great part about it, Jim. It's like he is beloved by his teammates, and it's all genuine. It's not a, it's not a cockiness that he's just throwing out there from, to cover up some insecurity. He really believes that he can do all the things he says. And when he fails at him, he he owns that too and recognizes that he has a lot to learn. Um, but it doesn't break his stride. It doesn't break his, his confidence in himself. He knows that he could be great. He's just always the same every day. He's got a great smile on his face. He comes to work in the same manner, in the same mood. You can coach him hard. He likes it. He responds well to it. These are things that, like, that belie a maturity that most kids that, you know, players at 20 years old don't have when they're trying to figure out their way in the NBA. He knows who he is as a person, 
And he and as he starts to figure out who he is as a player, that's going to, you know, even propel him further. Like, he knows what he can do, but he's still trying to learn and figure all that out. Well, it's seen to me, Chris, that if you've got a great, great young player who already has figured out the part about he shows up the same way every single day and he's consistent, like he understands consistent effort and showing up with intent and showing up a certain way, and you can coach that same guy hard, it's got to be such an amazing thing for a coach. What about Carl Anthony Towns? 17-17 and last night and a force in the paint. How important was it for him to battle on the glass and clog the paint defensively while Edwards was having a, a night like the one he had? Yeah, that's that's you know, Cat's been huge. He's having a, one of the most efficient seasons in the in the league. He took seven shots last night. He had seventeen points, mm. almost un, unheard of. Um, you know, Cat's been facing a lot of double teams. They've been playing him uh, with a smaller defender, and then they bring the the five over top and just try to hound him all night. Uh, and he's really kind of learned how to deal with that, not push himself into the game unnecessarily, find other ways to impact it. That's oftentimes on the glass or with his passing. His playmaking was elite last night. We didn't connect on a lot of the, a lot of the passes that he uh, threw, but he made all the right plays. He let the game come to him. And then, you know, of course, he makes some big shots when you need him to most. Um, he's having an all-star season. He's having what I believe is a – uh, damn near all NBA season, and he's uh, figuring out as all like again younger players need to learn to do. Like everybody wants to win, Jim, but like part of the process of winning is how do you share the floor with other really talented players? And while our talent is young, and they're all trying to figure that out, like he's really kind of mapped that out, um, and he's able to put up numbers in, in lots of different categories and not have to be the man every single night, even though he is the man on our team. Such a great point. Chris Finch joining us. And then, of course, it helps when you've got veterans who have been there and understand this. You've got one of my favorite guys in the league in Patrick Beverly. Earlier this year, yeah. he had an amazing quote about you. He said of you, quote, that's my guy. I don't have a lot of guys. So if I say he's my guy, it means a lot, <laughs> end of quote. It's almost a perfect quote from a guy like that because it's some of the highest praise you could ever get from Patrick Beverly. You were with him in Houston back in the day. What's it like coaching and working with him now? It's, you know, it's really a pleasure. I mean, I've got a great relationship with Patrick. I was there when he came in as a rookie. Um, I've always said that, like, he's the same as day one. He has that same chip on his shoulder uh, to prove to himself every and everybody else every single day that he belongs in this league and that he can impact winning at a high level. And he's done that. And he brings that same approach every day. That's been huge for us as a team. As a team, um, again, full of young players, you know, trying to figure out who they are, trying to figure out how to win, trying to come together as a team. He's changed our personality. He's given us a defensive personality, a defensive identity, a mindset, and an approach where that side of the ball matters. Most of these guys come into the league you know, with, a, with an offensive acumen, and defense is a secondary thing, but he's made it a priority for us. And, um, you know, he's had our back, and he, he's, he's very good with the players. Like, he get gets on them when they need to, but he's positive. Um, you know, in a lot of high-leverage situations where, you know, guys could be, you know, let a bad play or a period of play get them down, he's always very positive. You know, just get to the next play. It's a long game, long season, all these types of things. So he's been great for our staff. 
and for our players. So i got to ask you about this. I've, I've asked this question, Chris, before of other people as it relates to somebody like Patrick Beverly, so I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to keep asking it. I don't know why because I think yeah. I know the answer, but when you talk about that chip <laughs> on the shoulder that he has and that he's never lost it, he's had it since he got in the league, and even to this day he yeah. has it, and he has it every single day. Chris, what I would pay to get some of that, either in an ejection or in a pill? Like, is there any way to <laughs> learn that, manufacture that, get that, or is it only a product of your experience and your knowledge? Because I just want some of that, and I'm not sure how to get it. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I mean, well, I think, I mean, everybody who's achieved something at the highest level at some point in their life has experienced it because, you know, you have to be that way to get ahead in life. But I, I honestly believe it's like pre-wired in you if you're going to bring it like this every single day. But what it does do is it can rub off on, uh, it can rub off on, you know, the teammates, teammates that are looking for leadership, teammates that need direction, teammates that need an example on how things should and can be done or what you can achieve. Um, if you really give it your all, there's a lot of people you know, that are afraid to give it their all because they're afraid to fail because they don't want to own up that, hey, I might not have been good enough, even though you were great in your own right. And Patrick doesn't suffer from that, like, insecurity. He doesn't, he, he's happy to lay it all out there and let it be what it is. And that says a lot about anybody, and you need that from leadership. I think that's gold right there, what you just said. Chris Finch joining us. All right, so before I let you go, we're talking about an organization that has not had a lot of playoff success over the past decade and a half, but you are right there, currently right in the thick of the playoff chase. So how do you approach that with your teammate? Is that something that you openly speak with them about, or is that just not a part of that process? Do you shut that out and just worry about being where your feet are? No, we, we actually speak about it. We, we address it from time to time. Um, you know, not every single day. We try not to make too much of certain games. and But we, 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 I feel it's really important to, as you're trying to build a culture and expectation and put down a standard of performance, like it has to relate to something. Like it has to relate to a goal, whether it be a short-term goal, has to feed a medium-term goal, has to feed a longer-term goal. And that longer-term goal has to be the playoffs. Like that's what we feel like we can do if we put, you know, a, a all of our eggs in the basket and we play the way we're capable of playing. And we know there's going to be inconsistencies. So through those inconsistencies, we use the playoffs as a kind of a standard to say, Hey, like if we want to be the team we think we want to be, we got to be better than we were last night, or we got to be better than that tomorrow night, you know? So we definitely draw a reference to it. It's something I don't think we should be afraid of it. It's what we're trying to do. Last thing, I love the standard, the notion of the standard, and the standard is the standard. Another one of those cliches that sounds like a cliche, but if you see beyond, quote, it being a cliche, there's something to it. You've got Golden State tomorrow night, and you beat them by 20 a week and a half ago. They were without Steph Curry and Draymond Green, but Chris, obviously, they were the standard for a long, long time and are trying to be once again. How does the 2021-22 version of Golden State look to you? You know, I think, to me, it's obviously you know coming through the the injuries and the covid uh replacements and all that kind of stuff uh, has you know has rocked everybody's boat and them, them you know theirs included but before that uh, and i'm sure they'll probably find it again coming down the stretch of the season here they look to me a lot like the team the uh you know even the the pre-durant teams i mean they had um such a great rhythm offensively such commitment defensively and you know Draymond drives that defense with the basketball IQ that's like off the charts like he's making things happen defensively out there just through intelligence and effort 
Um, you know, I, I, I was, I'm, I think they were playing at a super high level, and they play such a different brand of basketball with other movements. It's very hard to guard on any given night. And um, so, I, I, you know, I, I don't see, you know, I see it as legit. I see it as real. And, you know, it's going to be certainly a tough game for us tomorrow night. But I, I see them playing at a very, very high level. I really like what you said about Draymond. I think that, I mean, obviously, those who know, know. Yeah. Those who know, know about yeah. Draymond. Those who don't know, get caught up in all the histrionics. Man, this guy's IQ is off the charts, isn't it? Basketball IQ? Yeah. Oh, it, 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 it's incredible. Like, he, I mean, I think you see now, like, just how important he is. You know, when he's, his offensive cre- creativity, he creates so much offense for everybody around him. He's thinking two or three passes ahead, which is, like, what a savant does defensively he knows exactly which reads and which places to cover and you know how to prioritize any given situation um that might be dangerous and he's like and then he puts the effort and the work in and he's you know he's got all the intangibles so minnesota is in third right now in the northwest they've got that big opportunity tomorrow night against golden state chris i want to say this for me to you i really appreciate you coming on the program i always look forward to the conversation that was another tremendous conversation so thank you very much for doing that i appreciate you that was fun i appreciate you having me on thanks the gigantic tower of beef well done not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy and peppered, all come in four-ounce bags. So you can sample different flavors to find the very best one for you. As for Old Trapper by name, because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? There it is. Hot and spicy, peppered, original. Let's get at it. You know the rules. Let me start with the social media. One phone line is open. Graham and SLO is going to set the tone. Rome Slice. My beef is when I call customer service and they ask me to spell my name using phonetics. Now I am stuck trying to think of words other than pterodactyl and knife. My other beef is when I'm putting in work on my Peloton and somebody calls me. Now I have to decide whether or not to answer and sound like Mike McFatney or pause my workout. Graham in SLO. Okay, my man. Romy, I have a beef with my three-year-old and six-year-old's incessant use of the word butthole. They're constantly calling each other butthole or simply yelling butthole in line for the grocery store or at a school drop-off or at any other public place for no reason. War, jungle Tourette's. Unwar being my children having it too. Dave in the 808. Two things. One, they are three and they are six, right? They do things like that. They're three and they're six. That's their vocabulary. Two, it's funny. Butthole. Hey, Dave, don't be a butthole, man. They're three and they're six. <laughs> Turtleneck van or turtleneck. I'll try it again. Turtleneck tan man. My beef is with Sean McBag. He's going to do some clown stuff on Sunday, like celebrating the end zone with his team or pump up the crowd on the sidelines like that idiot piece of crap Matt LaFraud did on Saturday night. Mick Bag and LaFraud are Shanahan's bitch, and McBag will solidify that bitch status on Sunday. Mario in SF. I, I got to respect it, Mario. I do, dude. You are you are a Frisco resident that's coming strong. 
And I hate to say it, a lot of what he says has some merit. If the Rams get beat by these guys for a seventh time in a row, when they're all in and they're at home and a trip to the Super Bowl hangs in the balance, man. Rome, my beef is with TV stations immediately cutting away from the idiots that run onto the field. What would be better for ratings and entertainment than watching some drunk get leveled by security and hearing Kevin Harlan commentate on it? Come on, networks. Give the people what they want. Jesse and Lincoln. The reason they don't do that is obvious. They don't want to encourage that behavior. Then you have every idiot coming out of the stands. However... It's not the security guys that you want to see level them. It's the players that you want to see level them. Not to go all boomer on you, but look up the video. YouTube Mike Curtis. That's what you want to see. You want to see a player hit one of those idiots with a forearm shiver. Not a yellow jacket. That's an incredible moment in NFL history. Eric in Kansas. Rome. My beef is with sandwich bread. There's just slightly too big for sandwich-sized bags. I end up squishing the sandwich to make it fit just for the bag to rip while sealing it. Come on, Ziploc, do better. (laughs) Next one. When you live in Michigan and it's a balmy zero degrees outside, heading to minus six, and you have your electric blanket on high, in your mostly unheated bedroom, and the hubs releases a dudge oven fart so vile you have to air out the covers and let the bed reheat. Angie in Grand Rapids. Angie, that is incredible. War Lady Lady Clones, Clones. there is your winner right now. When the hubs releases a dudge oven fart so vile. You have to air out the covers and let the bed reheat. That that is incredible from start to finish. What up, Angie? War Lady Clones. War Lady Clones. The hubs are coming back. Rome, my beef is with my wife. Every time the remote control or something else imperative goes missing and we begin to look for it, she calls out within a minute or two and said, search with, of said search with anything? No, sweetheart. Otherwise, I would have shouted, Eureka, at the top of my lungs, specifically so I didn't have to hear you ask if I had struck gold. Greg Nashown, that's good. Not as good as Angie's, but that's good. Rafa in Mexicali tweets, hi. My beef is with clones sending their same beef every week, again and again, hoping to get red on the show. Understand something, no matter how many times you try to push it, no means no. <laughs> Hashtag, what's my beef? Chalk approved that beef. No means no. My beef is with men who calls boats she. Hey, Popeye the Sailor Man, boats don't have Vaginas. Dennis in San Luis Obispo. Hey, Chalk, did you approve that beef too? Maybe we keep genitalia out of the beefs, Chalk. Third grader. 
at the Bronx Buckeye. Hey, Rome, I got a beef with my iPhone 12 mini. I just got this bad boy for Xmas. And every time I try to listen to the Jim Rome podcast, it dies on me. Battery goes from 100% to E in what seems like one hour. I paid almost a G for this piece. Do better. Is that true? I don't know about the battery life on that piece. Van Smack, I have beef with these teams that don't sell playoff tickets to outside zip codes. How freaking insecure are you? Are you worried a small smattering of opposing fans will be louder than yours? Are you worried that your own fan base isn't all that? Toughen up, cupcakes. Thanks, Mark and Parts Unknown. Yes, Mark, that's exactly what they're concerned about. All of that. Jim, I have a beef. I have a beef with my boss. Every time we have a conference call booked for a certain time, like 2 p.m., he inevitably sends me a text three minutes before the call going, you on? No, you bag. I'm trying to grind out some last-minute items before that waste-of-a-time conference call. Then when I get on the call, these tools are already halfway through the call. If you want the call to start at 157, then book it at 157. Steven in Sacktown. Moving through your beefs. This one. It's snowing in Colorado. I constantly see you California drivers treat every street as if you're in a school zone. We don't lower the speed limit to 20 every time it snows. Get your mug off the windshield push down on the gas, and drive your sled right back to California. You ever heard of staying in your lane? Well, stay in your own crappy state, losers. Ron in Colorado. Man, that is rich as hell. Rich as hell, given that I'm the only native in this state. Let's stop with that. How many of you idiots have come to my state? That is rich as hell telling us to get out of your state. Here's the other problem, though. It's expensive as hell in this state. This is why people are fleeing our state. Yet all you morons continue to come into my state. That is rich as hell. I'm not saying that we can drive well in the elements. I'm the first one to say the second the first raindrop hits the windshield, all hell breaks out in this town. But you complaining about us going to your state is rich as hell. I see nothing but transplants here. Come on, man. Hey, Jim. No, check that. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with any sort of sound coming out of somebody's mouth after their voice. Slurping, chewing, sneezing, coughing, grunting, all of it. Bella B in Calgary. Hey, Bella. This guy's hand was, give me back my sight. Give me back my sight! Rome, my beef is with entitled cable customers. I'm tired of listening to you bitch and complain about how high the prices are. If you don't like it, then go start your own cable company. You are not entitled to a promotion every time your current one runs out. All right. Romy, I have a beef with eats a meal on the airplane guy. This guy brought his six-piece wings and messy-ass burger from Chili's on the plane. The only thing worse would have been a full rack of ribs. We're flying from Orlando to Newark. It's a two-and-a-half-hour flight. Why don't you stuff your fat face before the flight? Nick in New York. I'll allow that.
I allow almost anything from New York. Jim, my beef with grocery stores is the sordid assortment of tabloid magazines that they have the checkout lines. National Enquirer. People. Anything with Kim Kardashian on its cover. They are to journalism what fried Twinkies are to nutrition. Thanks for contributing to the further dumbing down of our society, grocery chains. Is it asking too much to mix in time, National Geographic, or Forbes to the rack? I guess it is. Mike and KC. Pretty much, bro. Pretty much. All right. Let's go to the phones. It is the beef segment. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to New Orleans. Tommy in New Orleans. Tommy, what's your beef? Pimp in the box. What, what is up? My beef is with this insane social phenomenon where everybody is now glossed by their initials. I mean, it started with FDR, JFK, that's cool. MJ, I'll even allow BIC. But now we have DA. B-A, F-B-P, O-B-J, A-B, F-D-B, and it goes on. Jim, my fear is that this phenomenon, this insane phenomenon, infiltrates the Rome family. Poor Rogan Lone will be confused about its status in the family itself. It's got to stop. Think about it. My man, I like that. Tommy in New Orleans, well done. Very, very well done. Let's go to West Covina here in SoCal. Parker, Parker, what's your beef? Parker, what's happening, Rome? How you doing? Good, dude. Ah. Did he correct us and say Barker, or did he just say Parker? My man, I'm sorry about that, brah. But if I say Parker, what's your beef? Your reaction need not be Parker. Like, what? I mean, you know I'm coming to you. That'd be like if I were to say, hey, Parker, what's your beef? And you would say, Parker? Who is Parker? That, that made no sense. Anyway, don't, don't reset your name after I just said your name. Because I know your name. Because I just said your name. Anyway, let's keep moving. The, the, the beef calls are never as good as the social media calls. We know this. Let's go to Indy. Carl in Indy. Hey, Carl, I'm not going to bring you up just yet. I'm just going to ask one thing. When I go to you, hey, Carl, what's your beef? Don't say, Carl. Carl, what's your beef? Jimbo, my beef is with myself today. I roll up to the Taco Bell drive-thru, brother. I get my soft taco and my pintos and cheese, and I'm all happy. I stop to eat it, realize they don't give me the spork. I don't have a backup spork in my car. Jim, what am I going to do now? I'm going to eat it with my fingers. Or am I going to tip the thing up and just chug it down like Wells? Now, who's the loser here, Jim? I say me because I was not prepared for what life had to throw my way today. I like that, Carl. Nice job. You were not prepared. You didn't show up properly. You did not show up with a plan. You did not show up with intent. You did not show up for that drive through and demand your spork. All right, that's ownership. Extreme ownership. Why don't we try Canyon Lakes, Texas? Ryan. Good to have you, Ryan. What's your beef? Jim, my beef with paper straws. Every time I use one of these disasters, it practically disintegrates in my mouth. I'm ingesting paper fibers. Our <laughs> traditional plastic straws, really one of Earth's biggest problems. 
bring back the plastic straw, wait. I like that. I mean, that's original. He's ingesting paper fibers. Uh, is it not better for the environment, the paper straw, than the plastic straw? I'm not going to really weigh in on that, but that is his beef. The phone call beefs are a little unusual today, aren't they? Let's keep trying. Chalk is shaking me off like there is no hope. Keep trying, dude. They're still ringing. If they're ringing, there's still hope. And hope may not necessarily be a terrible thing. You know, I talked to Dan Wetzel. It is if you're a Bills fan, but it might not be the worst thing. Let me reset you very quickly. I still have a little bit of time on the back end. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Margo in Buffalo. Margo, what is your beef? Hello. Hello. Let's go people My beef, Jim, is with Brad and Corona in his hexy poo he bestowed upon Rick and Buffalo, and frankly, the entire Bills Mafia. Your name in Buffalo now is synonymous with butthole and Corona, bitch. Wow, Margo, you're just kind of uttering butthole and bitch at the best to ever do it, and the fact of the matter is that little hexy poo worked. Hexy poo, hexy poo, I put a hex on you. It worked. You can't, you can't come in here and say, hey, hey, yo, uh, your name is now synonymous in Buffalo with butthole and bitch. He's not the problem. There are a lot of problems. He's not the problem. He's not the one that could not make a play and get off the field with 13 seconds left. Now, I'm not here to pile on. I'm just here to say that that, that beef doesn't work. We can't walk off on that. Alaska. I like that. Alaska generally is a good thing. Let's go to Matt in Alaska. Yes, we have listeners and viewers in Alaska and have for quite some time. Matt, what's your beef? Jimmy, I got a beef with the guy who's worried about what kind of straw he's using to slurp down the liquid that he has chosen. If the glass is so dirty that you can't put your lips on it and you're going to call a radio show and complain about your straw, you probably shouldn't be drinking out of the glass, dude. War, listeners, viewers, and people living in Alaska. Jimmy, that's it. I'm out. Oh, war that, brother. Hell yeah. War Alaska. War Anchorage. Brother. War a reaction to a beef that happened seconds earlier. This dude's like, man, if you're that concerned about what kind of a straw you put to your lips, paper or plastic, because your glass is that filthy, you shouldn't be drinking from that glass, that glass to begin with. You know, he's, what he said was, if you're that concerned about what that straw is made out of, that you would call a nationally syndicated radio program, then you should, and you can't just put your lips to that glass. Anyway, you heard what he said. I liked it. It made me forget what Margo said. Hello! Margo, calling somebody a butthole and a bitch when they were right in the first place is not a beef. Not a good one. Hello! I like Alaska. I've never been. I've always wanted to go. It looks gorgeous. Am I right? And I remember the first time we had an affiliate in Anchorage. I thought that was great. I'm like, oh, man, we got to get Trajan Langdon on. I got to hear from anybody in Alaska. And there's always been good participation from Alaska. I'm staying in the fight. I'm keeping this thing alive. Let's go to NoCal. 
Dan in NoCal. Dan, what's your beef? Yeah, I've lived 58 years on this planet and never once heard the word physicality. Now I can't go two minutes on any talk show talking about football without the word physicality being brought up. Not even sure if it's a word. Thanks. My man, 58 years on the planet and never once heard the word physicality. And now you can't go anywhere on the radio without hearing it? I got news for you. Not only do you hear it, you heard a guy that I respect and like as many as much as any in the business yesterday, Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah, man, I, I could not like and respect DJ more than I do. And he used that very word to describe your football team. Physicality. Yes, it is word. It is a word. That's not offensive. Why is that offensive? Physicality. It's a physical sport. It's a violent sport. And you know why it's appropriate? Because DJ's whole point was the reason the Niners have owned the Rams is because of, wait for it, their physicality. They're the more physical football team. Why why is that a beef? Trust me, I'm a, a bleeping wordsmith. I have no issue with that word. Here's the funny thing. That Christmas tree is still lit up. Every line's lit. It's lit! But the XR4TI looks exhausted. I'm trying to stay in the fight for just maybe one more. Maybe one more good one to walk off. The vampire over there is trying hard. One last shot. Let's go to Albany. Justin in Albany. We're going to walk off on this one. Justin, you made it in. What's your beef? Hey, Roma, how you doing? My beef is with the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator. I picked every single underdog on a parlay and the over for the Chiefs game, and they couldn't hold a lead three times. Oh, twice, and then an overtime. I hear you. I, I think that's legit. I think that's legit. 1-800-636-8686. All right, that's the number to keep in mind. Hey, if you want a beef about a bad beat, if you want to beef about somebody who cost you a parlay, and speaking of costing somebody a parlay, Nick Mangold's got an amazing story about a parlay. A parlay that he bet 25 bucks on that would have paid him 56 grand if one team hit. He got 11 out of 12 games. He had a 12 team parlay, and he hit 11. A $25 bet would have paid 56 gur, and one team screwed him. If I were to say to you, which team do you think screwed him, what team would you say? You'd probably be right, but you got to listen to it. That's episode 206. Good night, 